Hi, my name is Fiona Eastmond and this is Peers in a Pod about peer support working. Who are we? What do we do? Most importantly, what are our favourite biscuits? This is the very first recording, if you'd just like to introduce yourself. Hi Fiona, I'm Miriam and I'm course administrator and peer trainer and tech support and moderator at the CNWL Recovery and Wellbeing College. Fantastic. Is, is there anything you don't do? <laughs> I'm very good at lateral thinking. <laughs> I think you are, actually. I think you really are. So I've got these lovely questions here that I'm going to ask everybody, and they're sat here balanced next to my tipex. So question one, what is peer support? Peer support is having somebody who has been through similar experiences to yourself and who, if they're speaking to you about things, whether things that help them or anything like that, you know that you're not alone and you're speaking to somebody to whom you don't have to explain a whole lot and mm. who is also there to try and help you with things that may have helped them or which other people who are also involved in peer support have found helpful. Yeah. So it's really, it's people supporting people, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Because of the stigma associated with having experienced mental health difficulties, it can be, it's sometimes particularly difficult to explain yourself and other people who have been there have a kind of an unspoken understanding about how you might be feeling and also about the way that you might look at how things, what things can help you. Fantastic. I love the idea of unspoken understanding. I think that's really key to peer support, which kind of brings me nicely to the language around peer support. And uh, we seem to have come across quite a lot of the word recovery with a capital R, which brings me on to my second question. What is recovery anyway? Recovery, somebody, if they're a clinical practitioner, understands by recovery is that your mood had stabilised or something so that it was okay for you to be discharged from hospital or that you were sustaining that in the community and then you might be discharged from services. But personal recovery is whether you're living the life that you want to lead going forwards. It's It would be recognising that things happened to you in the past, but because sometimes the RE at the front of recovery it suggests that you're going backwards and that you're trying to attain some state prior, which in fact you're not. You're saying, given that this has happened, how can I lead my best life going forwards, given what I want to do, things that I want to do in my life? Yeah. And to lead your own life as well. That's what I've always thought of as uh, recovery with a capital R. It's really quite person-centred, if that's not too jargonistic to say. (laughs) Yes, it is. It would be different for different people, depending on all sorts of things to do with their culture or the things that interested them and their background and things like that. It's a unique thing to each individual, what they would consider was the life they wanted to lead. Thank you. So what, from your recovery, what is your most often used recovery tool? I think empathy. I've quite often been to outreach things to other services and also when Mm. I have done work on wards, helping with our snapshots and things. I know that from my accent, I start speaking, people immediately have ideas about the kind of person that I am. And I have quite often felt a really visible change in the room if I start saying that I have had experience of being in an inpatient ward myself. We were doing a workshop about sleep and there was a bit where we were talking about quiet on the peaceful environment in, in the room. I just said, if you'd been on the ward with me, you would have had difficulty because I snore. 
<laughs> and there was this immediate thing, oh. And as I was leaving afterwards, some other people who'd been on previous snapshots but weren't in that one, word got around, came up to me and said, have you been on an inpatient ward? I said, yes, I have. And then we had a bit of a fist bump and went on our way. And oh. uh, <laughs> so that's what I, you know, the entire... I've been at other things where you know, just every, the way that people listen to you is different if they think you're not necessarily talking at them, but you're talking with them. Yes. That is what the, what, that's the sort of difference that it can make because they would immediately have a view about the kind of person I was initially until we get to that point. Yeah, and it's quite subtle as well. From what you're saying, you don't have to stand up in front of a room and say, my name is and I've been doing this and I did this and this is my you know, history, this is my recovery CV, to include it in conversation, to include it in the middle of what you're doing as something that's just totally normal, something you did, something that happened to you, somewhere where you've been, just really subtly signals, I think, I'm one of you, not one of them. That signal can be so, it can immediately drop so many barriers, I think. Yes, and also it's making it that lots of people have mental health challenges and you're just saying it as part of the conversation rather than as your kind of whole narrative or identity from the outset. It's just, I'm just one of many people and this is this has been my experience. So it's normalising what is actually the experience of many people, but about which many people are reticent or hold back because of stigma, including self-stigma. Yeah, definitely. So what do you use in your own recovery? What was the most useful thing that you still use or maybe used for ages to get you through the day? I am, as many of my friends can testify, a complete muso bore. Music was very helpful to me, both playing it and listening to it. But and one thing that helped me a lot was really critical was that I had I had a network of friends I hadn't seen for quite a long time for various reasons before I became ill and I contacted them when I after I was discharged when I was living in bed and breakfast accommodation and a very long way from where I lived and they mm-hmm. even though I hadn't seen them for a long time all came out to see me and they never ever held any of the things that I said had happened to me against me and I think that, that was really critical I, I always think that being able to help somebody if they don't have a network to build one up is really critical and that's sometimes a longer term challenge to, to achieve. That's why I think the sort of online support communities and other support communities that are around in the voluntary sector are really critical for that also. But uh, in fact, I experienced the same thing that I experienced at work, that that I would say once people heard what happened to me, they would say, oh, that happened to me too. And uh, even amongst my network of friends, it became something we could be more open about amongst ourselves. Yeah. There's something about that human connection, isn't there? Not put it too simplistically, but our friendship networks are our lives, really. Many people call them our chosen families, don't they? Yes, exactly. People who you shared different experiences with at different times of your life. And so that's, again, is because you don't have to explain very much if they're people who've known you for a long time about yourself. You don't have to restart. You've got an established contact that you've chosen and you've chosen each other, both of you. Yeah. How did you get into your current role? You've already said what your current role is, but how did you get into your current role? Well, I had been working for a couple of years as a support worker with personal budget holders and also in hostels. And so the and I had been applying for positions during that time. And I got a job at CNWL where I was partly working with the learning and development team and partly working with the recovery college up at our recovery and training centre in Harrow. 
And then an opportunity came up about, I think about a year after that, to move full-time into working with the Recovery College. So that's how I came to be there, helping with the course administration. And then I also started being a peer trainer in some of our, our workshops. So that's how that all originated. So slowly, really, it um, organically became a thing. It's funny how our roles seem to be made for us, but what's actually happened is we've slowly made the roles into us. Yes, yes. And looked at things where, because in the recovery and wellbeing college, many of the things that in other environments might be seen as weaknesses are seen as strengths. That's an important thing. A very special place to work. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So here comes challenging question number five. Describe your typical working day using only five words. Wake, log on, communicate, eat, and probably relaxation after that. Makes it sound like I don't do anything in the eight hours in between. No, it makes you sound like a human being. I like that. (laughs) But also that's actually, and I suppose deliberately, this question really oversimplifies the utter complexity of a peer sort of work day. I mean, my work day at the moment is Zoom, 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 Zoom. Yes, yes. even in the Zoom environment and in online environment, I don't have any two days which are the same because of the different things that I do in my role. So if things come up to do with course admin or responding to email and telephone inquiries and things, there's a lot of variety, even if it sounds as if I just spend all day in front of a screen. It sounds to me like there is no such thing as a typical working day. No, that's correct. So here's your opportunity to tell one amazing story. And I know you and you might have three. That's okay. You can always tell all of them and we'll pick one. I was most proud of when we, we have people who are referred to us or come along to us and they're often very nervous and because I, and I've been there myself, I remember when, when I used to work at Harrow, seeing some people coming in, sometimes with a key worker the first time to have a look at the building. Yes, this is where the refreshments are and things. And they would be shuffling along several steps behind. And I would think, is that person actually going to turn up on the day if they haven't got mm-hmm. somebody with them? And then they would turn up and then you'd see them going there and then realizing that it was a kind of space for them and how they became more confident and were striding along. You could see their whole, everything about them, including how confidently they walked around moving because they were not alone in that space. And then also they would be encouraging others because of what happened to them about coming along and joining our groups of different people sharing their experiences. I think that's, that just in general, it was a very, the first time I ever had to process the evaluations we had at the end of our courses where they would ask what three things have you learned today? And there was a workshop about hearing voices and the first form I got the first thing it said I'm not alone I thought amazing so I sent that up as a feedback to the recovery college manager before I realized that was actually a course to Newcastle because um, that happened on every single course Uh, the social isolation that many people feel is a big thing that we help to break down also I know I was just really that was a big story about why I'm really working here also yeah fantastic It's good to treasure those proud moments for times when it gets a bit more difficult. And I I certainly know from working in Recovery College that one of the things we do really well is reduce isolation and help people feel that they're not alone. Help people know that they're not alone. This is not a sort of fluffy feeling that we impart. This is the actual truth because we're not. We're not alone. And it's lovely to hear that coming back from people. And we've been doing it for ages. 
I love that we've yes. been around for nearly 10 years. Yes, no, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, even as a relatively new recruit, I feel like a history of breaking down stigma and improving isolation and helping people to feel they're not alone for 10 years. That's got to be something that we're all very proud of being involved in. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and also promoting a sort of recovery-focused things. I mean, that, that comes down to even to things like um, answering emails, because, for example, we might have general emails with course information and things. But you know, if someone has mentioned something in the email you're responding to that you pick up that you read that, and uh, you might then respond accordingly. So that you, we have some generic emails we'd send out, but we would be quite centred on what we think that person who emailed us might be feeling at the time in the way that we responded and always carrying the idea of hope. So on that subject, I was at a workshop where we were talking, as we do at the beginning, about our core values and what hope mm -hmm. is. And one of the students said, hope is that I have an exercise class at 10.30 tomorrow morning. And that was just amazing <laughs> to me because so many people yeah. overstate what hope is. And it's not this enormous kind of thing where I suddenly went through uh, something it's that uh, there's a structure emerging in my life that in order to get to this exercise class I have to go to bed at a certain time I have to put these certain things in place in order to be there and also other people are expecting me there so I'm actually connected with various reciprocal social things and just it was just like a really small step it's the it's the verse from Leonard Cohen's hallelujah about it. it's not a cry you hear at night it's not somebody who's seen the light it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah and that even might be how it feels but it is a hallelujah nonetheless yes well, I love Leonard Cohen so much it seems to me like in your five word definition of your day it could say get up consider everybody go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> It's, there's something that's so considerate and empathic and caring, even just about the way that you answer an email that makes Aww. you the person who you are, I think, knowing your emails and Aww. having seen your emails. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it's, very, it's very kind of you to say so. But I, uh, yeah, no, it's very important to me that people find us a kind of welcoming place and that even if it's very busy we try and keep that going we're saying to people be compassionate to yourself but we also are being compassionate to them while also emphasizing that we are compassionate to ourselves it's true it goes around and around doesn't it we fill ourselves up with compassion yes. and it overflows to others at least that's what yes. we hope it does but it's difficult to show that kind of compassion to other people if you don't have it for yourself that's very true. It's the, very if true. I am not for myself, then who is for me? If I am not for others, then who am I? If not now, when? Which is the yes. Rabbi Hillel's golden rule. Yes. yes, it's a golden rule that I really love. I actually took that from you, didn't I? I asked the team for some quotes to put into some of our courses. And uh, that was the one that you gave, and it was excellent. That was one of my favourites. So as a self-confessed muso bore, and I promise I shan't be bored, question seven is, what's your favourite listening when you need a boost? Now, I'm not asking, obviously, for just one tune, because that would be silly. Give us a general idea and maybe your top track at the moment, and we can put it onto the Recovery College Spotify playlist. Strangely, sometimes I like very upbeat songs if I need a boost but sometimes I actually like songs which are quite sad because I feel like an empathy with the person who wrote it about what they go and sometimes I, f I feel like oh that kind of counteracted my own 
Bloomer came out of it is my favourite. I like a lot of music that involves vocal harmonies, including things like unaccompanied vocal harmonies, because I like the voice as an instrument. And I am also an absolute sucker for a good brass section. <laughs> and that's a genre of instruments that I have never mastered. I have very random playlists. I think I often baffle the Spotify algorithms. Oh, yes. A Spotify algorithm is not a person. This is one of the problems where we come to yes. feel that we're choosing things, whereas in fact our choices are quite heavily guided by, well, algorithms. It's more complicated than I can get my head around. Yes. Yeah. And it's sometimes because I know that they, they direct you in a certain direct, um, direction, it could be difficult if you're trying to change that direction as well. What if you like a selection of things and it goes, oh, you might like stuff that's exactly the same as you had before? No, I'm looking for something new, Mr. Yes. <laughs> I have one tune which is, was actually mem- very memorable to me as something that was chosen. I was redeployed to work on a ward in March for three months and I was amazed. I just started up a sort of desert island disc thing that ended up happening every other day where we would just go around the room and you could choose a song and you could you could say why you had chosen it if you wanted to, but you didn't have to. And I was just, it, it was really great because people would just come in and then they would kind of just have chats that were completely outside what everything else going on in the ward. And we ended up, there was something, I got some really amazingly knowledgeable people talking about their particular types of music that they liked. And also what I liked was when people would, if somebody went out because they had to go for a break for whatever reason they'd say oh can you stop wait I have the next song on till I come back and it wasn't their own tune it was somebody else's choice and I found that really amazing and also that in very difficult times it was very difficult no visitors allowed no going outside but they were very up tempo on lots of days and the one song I'd choose from that is Reasons to be Cheerful Part 3 by Ian Dury and the Blockheads and that, that isn't only because I'm a former punk rocker myself <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, as I keep telling you, that is not actually a punk song, but it, it was in that era. But yes. Yes, it was on the edges. It's so uplifting yes. and wonderful. So we've come to the yeah. last question, which is obviously the most important question. And it is What is your favourite biscuit and why? Like a baked biscuit or a bought biscuit? How about both? How about both? You can never have too many biscuits, right? True, true. I think the bought biscuit, it would be a milk chocolate hobnob. Baked biscuit, it would be various types of macaroon, just because I like them when they're really squishy on the inside. They may technically count as a cake in the way that the Jaffa cake did, but (laughs) to me, they are a biscuit. Is it almonds that they're made of, or am I thinking of macarons? Yes, almonds and and egg white and sugar, yes. Sounds flipping delicious. Thank you. Right, so those are going straight on my shopping list. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for telling me all oh, about you, yourself Brian. and what peer support really is and what it's like. Thank you for your enthusiasm about setting these up. I specialise in enthusiasm and I particularly enjoy buying shiny things. So I bought myself a mic and started to do the research, realised it was an absolutely massive job and just thought, yep, I'm going to do it anyway. Here we are. Yes. We've started. What can I say? <laughs> I can see a series coming up called Miriam the Muso with all of your favourite tunes. <laughs> Well, I should show my age and say C90 Teak Mixtapes. <laughs> That's There it is. It's Miriam's Mixtape. That's your series. Mm. It's Miriam's Mixtape. Mm. Oh, I just cannot wait to hear it. Don't forget to follow me on at Fiona the PSW on Twitter. Upcoming episodes include all sorts of very interesting people. And I very much look forward to having you as my listener again. Thank you.